The innovation divas really know the who, what, and why of inventing and love that they can share their knowledge, connections, and great women-invented products with their audience. Meet Melinda Knight, businesswoman, inventor, expert social media, and celebrity gifting guru, and her co-host, Deanna Cohen, who has been inventing products, businesses, marketing contests, and events for over 20 years. The Innovation Divas not only host this fantastic show, they also run the only network award program and events for women inventors. If you need the connections to buyers, the media, or companies that can take your product to the next level, then you are listening to the right show. Now here to share the who, what, and why of inventing, your innovation divas, Melinda Knight and Diana Corn. La, la, la. I'm singing again, girl. It's the holidays. You got to Yeah, start. and today's Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Well, thank you very much, and happy Hanukkah to all those who celebrate. It's yes. a... It's a day full of oil and potatoes. Did you know that? And light. No, I did not know that. Uh, but of course but I'm learning so much. Yes, yes, yes. So happy holidays to everyone out there. We are so honored to have you listening to our show. It is probably the last show of 2015. No, it's not probably. It is yeah. in terms of us live. Not that we won't have some wonderful encore shows. Yes, we have wonderful database of, of podcasts that have a plethora of, do you like that big word, plethora of, of, of information. Yeah, I love that. So many fun things to look forward to in the new year. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah, we have a lot going on, a lot going on for 2015, so it's it's an exciting time. You know, I hear a little uh, reverb, but that's okay. As long as nobody else hears it, maybe we'll fix it a little bit later. But um, I, I'm excited for our show. We have two totally different um, experts, people that really have put a stamp on the inventor world and I mean, one of our fa- all-time favorites is TJ, so we, we probably should. I mean, we have a lot of questions for him. We should yes, probably- we do. We, we, have, we have questions, too. I mean, there's things that even though, you know, we're in this industry, there's still things. He's the expert. He's the true expert. We, we just like to connect and, and get, connect the inventors to these people. So, uh, so TJ Duvel, are you there? I am. Hello, and happy holidays. Oh, well, same you. to you. Thank you. We are, we are honored to have you on the show today. I mean, I feel like you're an old timer now. <laughs> I know. It's, it's getting like a, a habit thing. Yeah. Maybe we should just have you as, as our co-host forever and always. Oh, that would be Well, fun. then we'd have to change the name. Divas wouldn't oh. work for me. <laughs> you're not Come a diva. On. <laughs> Come on. You might have a little diva in you. You never know. Well, you never know. I, 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 w- I wouldn't admit to that. Okay, good for you. You sound like my husband. Very manly man. Both of our husbands are. That is so cute. Well, um, TJ, we obviously have you in our expert pavilion in Inventors Network. And part of the benefits of having an industry expert like yourself there is to provide our inventor community, which is um, strong and building every day, with a resource that they may not realize that they need. I mean, one of the hardest parts is protection and protecting their idea and making sure that their idea um, doesn't get into the shark's hands. So we do have a few questions from some of our inventor community, and I think it it might open up um, 
for those who are listening, a chance to think about their idea and, you know, give TJ a call if they're not getting the right kind of information on there. And so, Melinda, without further ado, why don't we why don't we get this this game moving? Yes, yes. Well, I, I'm going to start out with, with a new inventor who is, you know, kind of, she's getting her product to market. And um, she's, she's created it herself, but now she's kind of wanting to go on the mass, mass appeal type thing. So she really needs to start talking, thinking about protecting herself. So, and her name is Lena Nasser, and she is the creator of the uh, Hair Upsy, and she, in, which is a, you know, if you have the long hair, I, I I'm getting there, (laughs) but it really is, uh, solves a problem for something that a lot of women have if they like to wear their hair up on their heads. So, um, but her question is, uh, is it important to trademark a brand? Good question. Yeah, very, very important. I I think definitely, uh, you know, trademarks are used to differentiate your uh, goods and services from somebody else's. You know, you, there are some things that are out there that you cannot get patent protection for. But if you are first to market and you develop a brand identity, then the trademark protection is is vital. And there's two types of trademark protection. There there are common law trademarks and there are uh, federally registered trademarks. And common law trademarks are basically uh, you, you start using a mark in commerce, and once you start using it, you automatically have protection, and you get protection in the geographical territory within which you use it. So say, for instance, you're in Atlanta or you're in Chicago and you're using you know, hair upsy in those particular jurisdictions, you only have protection in those areas, which may be fine if that's all you want to do. Now, if you want protection nationwide – then you file with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for a federal registration. And, you know, you, you go through that. Generally, you do that with an attorney. And if you, if you attain a registration, then you are protected for similar goods and services for your name uh, throughout the country. That's interesting because now with, I mean, obviously, the Internet has been around for a long, long time now, but... You know, when you when you state that that start using it in a geographically you know geographic area, um, you know our geographic area, just to give an example of our website, is the internet, so it's worldwide. So that doesn't apply for that common law practice, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, if you're selling your goods and or services, you know, worldwide, then then that's where you have your jurisdiction. But if Say, for instance, you've, you've got a, you know, almost everybody's got a website, whether they're a local business or a nationwide business. So if a local business has a website, just because they, there's a capability to reach people elsewhere, that doesn't mean that you are selling your services or your goods in foreign jurisdictions. You only have protection and where you're actually doing business. That's so interesting. I wonder if her upsy, I mean, if she, say, for example, she's selling in, you know, 10 states right now or 15 states, is she protected in those common, in those states by common law? Potentially, yes. It's, it's a fact-based uh, uh, question. So, you know, if she's, she ships one product to, you know, Texas, she probably doesn't have 
you know, uh, rights in Texas. Now, if people in Texas would know that product because she's selling it in 10 different stores, that's a different story. That's so interesting, Melinda, isn't it? Uh-huh, it is. It's fascinating. And, it, you know, this, just in this question, you know, as you know, TJ, this affects us. I mean, this is, you know, any business that's, that's you know, out there, you know, providing a service or, or selling a product, you know, this is something, and we kind of learned the hard way ourselves. You know, we thought that we knew everything, which we, we don't. <laughs> and, and, you know, really in this, especially with the trademark and patent, it, it's really important. You, you know the lingo. You know, you know what to look for. You know some of these things that, that like, you just brought up that, that the, you know, common person just really doesn't know. So it's, it's, it's worth the investment to, to have it done right, especially in trademarking and, and patent search. So, well, yeah, we've learned a lot. Well, go ahead. So, shall we go on to the next question? Sounds good I'm to okay me. With that. Okay. All right. Well, um, we and this one's a really, really complicated one. Uh, this is from Heather Hemmings, and she is the creator of the Swan Neck Pen. And you can find out more on that at swanneckpen.com. Um, and so, this is this is more of a um, a worldwide question. Um, how do you stop the large companies stealing your idea? I have an, a European and American patent design and trademark, but still the larger company has been able to put their product in the market. On the market, I think that's is good, what... Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah that's a good yeah. question. And, and it, just so your, your, your uh, listeners know, uh, you guys didn't give me these questions ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of in... A lot of things did come in last minute, so... So she, we're putting, we're putting TJ stump, stump on the spot TJ. for sure. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, seriously, there's, there's, you, you can't stop someone from, from taking your product mm-hmm. or from copying you. Your only remedy is to have protection, whether it be patent or trademark protection, and then you can sue them in the courts, wherever, whatever jurisdiction that they're in. Uh, and, it's, and it's important to note that if you have a patent, or a trademark, it is only good in the jurisdiction that you, you get the patent or trademark. So, you know, if you have a patent in the United States and someone is making, using, selling it, or, uh, use, or uh, uh, importing it into a different country, say, for instance, Canada, you can't do anything about it. So, as you mentioned, she's got protection in Europe and in the United States. So she could potentially, if she wants to enforce her patent or trademark, sue them in the courts of whatever jurisdiction that she's being infringed in. But the issue is it's expensive. Uh, to sue somebody for patent infringement can be very expensive. There are some patent uh, litigators that will do it on a contingency basis, but only if you have a very good case. Um, so it, it's, it's a good question, but really the remedy is uh, is to take them to court and, and uh, at least see a patent or trademark attorney and have them analyze the situation and potentially send a cease and desist letter to the alleged infringer. 
Wow. We, you know, we have to take a break in one minute. So Melinda was going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, since this is, you know, so in-depth and, and you haven't been able to see these questions, we'll be sure to send you um, their contact information so you can talk to them further because these are great questions. And, yeah, and I great. know these, these people really want to have your help. So, um, so I guess we're going to be going to break. It goes so fast when we're talking about these fascinating subjects. It's so hard. <laughs> but we will be going to break soon. And we want to keep you on, though. We have a couple more questions. Um, Great, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, and, uh, and they're a little bit different. So we look forward to kind of hearing you out on them. So we will be hearing from our sponsors. And we will get back to TJ Duvel uh, in, in just a few minutes. And then we will go to tunes. Linda and Diana will return after a short break with more of Innovation Divas. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. This is Buzz Local Radio. We had the three topics here, and we just added a fourth when we started talking about hot dogs. He's in a band. We both had guitars, so I went over to his house Christmas Day. That so day. We had to start a band. And uh, I think we wrote four I or five that songs feeling. that afternoon. And Cannibalistic Fish was one of them. Cannibalistic Fish. <laughs> I couldn't do the dreads. My mom would not oh, let me wear my pants backwards darn. to school either. That was wiggity, 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 wiggity. <laughs> Buzz Local Radio. Available for free download on toginet.com. That's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com. If you need the connections to buyers, media, or companies who can take your product to the next level, then you are listening to the right show. This is the Innovation Divas on TogiNet Radio. And now, let's return to your Innovation Divas, Melinda Knight and Deanna Cohen. We are back. See how fast things go here at the Innovation Divas radio show. And TJ DeVal is one of our expert patent and trademark attorneys within our inventors, or excuse me, experts pavilion. Um, And if you are listening and you haven't joined our network to find TJ, you can also um, find him at his uh, website, go ahead and give out the information as I am pulling it up myself, but you'll go fast. It, it's it's okay. FisherBroils.com, F-I-S-C-H-E-R, 
or F-I-S-H-E-R-B-R-O-Y-L-E-S dot com. Is that correct, TJ? It is. Thank you. Okay. Good, right. good, good. So he definitely get in contact with him if you are in the need of some legal advice. Um, we think he's fantastic. And we have a few more quick questions for you. And our half an hour will probably end with the last questions. we got to get moving on them. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. I'll well, try to be concise. One. Okay. Well, and like we said, we are kind of putting you on the spot. And some of these are much more, you know, in-depth than, than we can get to. So it's, uh, it's, it's we've it's kind of cliff, put... A cliff yeah. in the... Can yeah. TJ, this is, can TJ answer these? I'm sure he can. So, um, <laughs> so this is actually from all of our good friends. We all know him. Um, Jim DeBetta, because he gets these questions from his clients. So he's looking to your advice, for your advice. Um, so he says... I always have clients asking me if it is necessary to file for patents to bring a product to market. This would be a great topic that he would like to have for his own clients. That's great. And Jim, Jim's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it, is it necessary? No. Uh, you know, depending on the product, then, you know, I, I think it's always a good idea if you can get patent protection. Uh, you know, a lot of different factors go into that decision. One, you know, what's, you know, what, what's your capital outlay? Do, do, do you have enough money to get patent protection? Uh, if not, then, you know, the, the question answers itself. If you, if you, if you do have enough money, well, it, what's, what's the product life of your potential product? So, you know, if, is, it, is it something that's going to be here for Christmas and then, you know, going to be gone at the flash in the pan? Definitely no no patent protection on something like that. You don't need it. Um, you know, if if the product is not going to be on the shelves for as long as it takes to uh, to get a patent, which could be up to two years, then it's probably not worth the investment. Um, is it something that you can reverse engineer? Um, something that can can be reverse engineered is probably a good idea to get patented uh, if it meets the other criteria. If it's something that's hard to reverse engineer that, you know, you, you can keep secret, you may be better off keeping it as a trade secret since trade secrets don't have a, uh, a termination period. So, you know, patents are for 20 years from the day you file them. Uh, trade secrets are kept for as long as you can keep it secret. So if it's a chemical composition that somebody cannot re- reverse engineer, you might want to keep it secret. Uh, if it's some software... Uh, you might want to keep it secret if you, if you can keep the code from getting out there. Uh, so there, there are a lot of factors that go into the answer there. So, uh, and, and another thing, you know, first to market is always uh, an advantage. So if you've got a good trademark and you've got a good marketable product, you you get it out there and you get a name, and everybody else is just a copier. You know, you, you, you are the original uh, of whatever product that is. Um, so... Again, no, no easy answer, but a lot of factors that go into it, and I can uh, surely help anybody uh, if they're if they're faced with that question. Well, and we always like the 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 story of Spanx. So, I mean, you think of Spanx, everybody says Spanx first to market, and and now everybody, you know, there's so many body shapers, and but they still everybody pretty much calls them a Spanx. So that's a good example of a first to market product that hit it big. And I and I think of like Kleenex and and. Mm-hmm. And 
ketchup, you know, I mean, you, you have all these big brands, different ketchups right. that, you know, Heinz people know as, as the leader. So you're right. It is first to market. Uh, I think is of Crocs. You think of Crocs. Perfect. I mean, there's there's yeah. plenty of those great examples that, you know, can still make millions. And, and they probably do also some have a, a life of its own. And, you know, you know, Crocs is a prime example. It's probably not one that's, you know, hot on the Christmas list this year. But um, needless to say, it's still a very successful brand. So what's the last question, Melinda? Well, the last question is actually, you know, we, we meet a lot of, not just inventors, we like to call them product developers. And, and, you know, there's a kind of, it's a gray line of, of, you know, somebody might think it's a gadget and, and, you know, really people need to protect themselves across the board. So this is actually a question from an artist and this is more about copywriting. And, um, so, uh, I was advised, oh, wait. Sorry, I'm going back to them. I'm having a tough time reading my print. I need my my uh, my reading glasses. Um, when can a work of art be considered as intellectual property and protected by copyright laws? The art is a combination of a painting on a translucent surface and is supported in a steel rod frame of my own design. I was I was advised the painting has copyright protection, but the frame has not. Is that correct? When could the frame also fall under copy, copyright protection? Well, that, that, that's a good question. Um, so actually, I forgot to say her name. I apologize. It's Marianne oh, sorry, Case. Sorry, Yeah, <laughs> Marianne Case is a local artist here. Well, great. So, you know, copyright protection can be for any anything that is an artistic expression. So it could be for a sculpture or a, uh, a poem or uh, a piece of music. Anything that is an artistic expression, an original artistic expression that is fixed to a medium. So, you know, if you sing a song, it's not doesn't have copyright protection. If you record the song, it has copyright protection. And copyright attaches whenever that artistic expression is fixed to the medium. So, you know, as soon as you write your story, it already has copyright protection. Now, a caveat to that is if you want to sue somebody for infringing that copyright, then you have to register it with the uh, copyright office. And that's pretty easy to do online. But... Yeah, they, if if that piece of art, if that frame can be considered a piece of art, artistic expression, then it surely can have uh, copyright protection. Well, I know for a fact that it's a a unique shape and and not kind of your standard frame. So, so uh, so yeah. I think she wanted to go beyond the actual artwork that's held within the within the frame. So, so no uh, that's. Great. All right. Well, see, we like to ha- cover all the bases with artists yeah, we and went inventors. we trademark and, and patents. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. We did it all except for, like, protecting, uh, I don't know, against the real sharks that are out there. That would be a, a great thing if we could patent against those, those kind of businesses. <laughs> <laughs> you, may, you may not come into our world, Mr. Shark. Well, you know what, TJ? We even touched on trade secret. Well, there you go. There you go. You know, one of the things that, that, and we do have a few minutes, so I kind of want to go back because one of the things that really interested me a lot about what you said 
was this whole idea of not being able to protect yourself in those, you know, either foreign countries or that it does cost a lot of money to take these people to court. And 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 I think one of the things that these inventors need to understand and and the critical piece that you said later was the piece of getting to market first. And I think if you can take your product and just push it out there and really and, and really make sure that you are everywhere as fast as possible. Um, the trade shows do help um, getting to the buyers. That's a great thing to to make sure that you're in the retail stores before everybody else. There are competitors and copiers all over the place. In fact, even when I don't know, TJ, if you've been to any of the major trade shows, but you see these people from foreign countries walk the shows all the time and, and they're just trying to knock things off all the time anyway. So I love that advice. That was amazing to hear. And, you know, sadly, it is something that um, occurs all the time. But um, I think the hope for the inventor community is that um, if you really do have a great idea, is to make sure that you are, you know, pushing it out the door as fast as you can and, and, and really get as much marketability and uh, retail exposure as possible. Yeah, and, and one, one thing to add there, you know, until you get it to market, try to keep it low-key. I mean, for, for one, you don't want to if – if you plan on patenting something, you don't want to disclose it to the public before you, before you file the application. Uh, and you're not giving anybody any lead time to, to copy it, so – and, and when someone has a patent pending, this is a quick, good question. Is that protection enough for those two years during that process? Well, that is a good question. Now, patent pending doesn't give you any protection per se. It just establishes that you have something filed at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office or whatever jurisdiction you have it filed in. And if it ever issues into a real patent, then you could possibly have interim rights back to the date that you filed it. But but basically, it's it's just a deterrent, saying, "Hey, I've got something, you know, pending, and if it issues, I'm going to come after you." Right. And then in the first to file case, we have about two minutes left. But that is that is the new law with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, right? It is. We 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 are now. Uh, along with the rest of the world, uh, in first to file instead of first to invent. Oh, so it used to be that the U.S. was not and everyone else was? Correct. Oh, my gosh. How crazy is that? (laughs) Who would have thought that the U.S. would be behind the the other countries in anything? (laughs) Well, it, it could be that we were ahead of them. Yeah, maybe you're right. Well, thank you, TJ. This has been so much wonderful information, and we are so honored once again to have you on our show. And um, for all those who are listening, we have to take another quick break. But when we come back, we have Rachel Olson. Not only is she an author, but she is the founder of Best Mom Products, um, which is a digital media company. So much information from Rachel that we're getting ready to uncover. She is really one of those experts Um, within that category, just like TJ is with Patent and Trademark. So, TJ, thank you so much for being on the show. Happy and healthy New Year to you and your family, and um, just keep keep doing what you're doing. We love it. Well, thank you for having me, and happy holidays to you guys, too. All right. And we will be right back with Rachel after a few words from our sponsors.
Linda and Diana will return after a short break with more of Innovation Divas. Have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Then join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget on TogiNet Wednesday nights, 9, 8 central. Do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship or wonder, how do I tell my kids about things? Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, loupaget.com. This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget, Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. As Christmas draws near, here are some interesting holiday traditions from other countries. Folks in Finland visit the sauna on Christmas Eve. Since Christmas arrives in Australia in the middle of the 100-degree summers, crowds of Aussies celebrate on the beaches with beer and Skittles. The Eskimos celebrate a winter festival called Sink Tuck, dancing and exchanging gifts. In 1828, the American minister to Mexico, Joel Poinsett, brought a red and green plant to America. The colors were perfect for Christmas, so the plants, named after Mr. Poinsett, started appearing in stores. What's a word for a person's name that ends up in the dictionary, such as a poinsettia? It's called an eponym. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. If you need the connections to buyers, media, or companies who can take your product to the next level, then you are listening to the right show. This is the Innovation Divas on TogiNet Radio. And now, let's return to your Innovation Divas, Melinda Knight and Deanna Cohen. You know, he is the nicest guy in the world. (laughs) He is. I feel very lucky. That we have, mm-hmm. we feel very lucky that he's part of our network and a great resource for our inventors and, and artists and you know people in our network. So it's pretty exciting. So, it's so important to have someone like him have your back, and he's really educated and knows. You know, I mean, like, look, he could have said, you know, oh, you don't need to get a patent. But the fact that he talked about first to market and that sometimes you don't need a patent is saying that he's honest and he's he's one of the good guys. So I love mm-hmm. that. Well, you know, talk about another good person out there doing great things for inventors is our next guest, Rachel Olson, who's the best-selling author of the book Shark Tank, Mompreneurs Take a Bite Out of Publicity. I love that title. And founder of Best Mom Products, a digital media company. Rachel, are you there? I am here. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. We've been trying to get you. You're a busy lady. It's been a busy few months, yeah, or year, I should say. It's like almost <laughs> the end of the year. So, yeah, it's great, though. 
So if you don't mind, give us a little history of how you got involved in this industry. We, you know, we call it the inventor world, but um, how did you get involved and how did you start off? You know, um, you know, the interest came actually, my father invented a medical um, device um, when I was much younger. So I think I was just around somebody that was creative inventing. So that was always very interesting to me. And then with technology, there were so many inventions and, um, and applications of that. And when I had my daughter, my first daughter probably um, in 2007, um, you know, you go out as a new mom and you're buying all these products. And, you know, I had my Excel spreadsheet with like the six strollers and, you know, and it was just amazing to me at all of the um, things that I thought I had to have. And then you, you have your baby and you realize, oh my gosh, well, this could be done better. Or I wish I had this and it doesn't have that. So I kind of became slightly obsessed between having my first and second daughter and having young children on um, all the products that were mostly um, baby and kid focused on just making a mom's life easier because that transition is so intense or it can be and anything to just make it easier to get out of the house or, you know, manage your family better. I was just a huge fan of. So I actually um, was trying to bring a baby product to market and it wasn't my invention. Um, and I was marketing it and I realized, okay, well, I really want to bring my background of marketing and PR into this, but I don't think I want full ownership over a product. So all, I was looking for, all, you know, stories online and I found a lot of mommy millionaire stories and it just didn't resonate with me. Um, so I just started a podcast in 2011, the uh, Best Mom Product Show, and I just really started um, interviewing friends of mine that were all starting businesses. They all had young kids. They were in the corporate world. They were making that transition, and we were all kind of on this learning path together, you know, what we'd meet as a group in person, and one person would go through, you know, um, manufacturing, you know, just spent like $20,000 manufacturing and they, you know, a clothing line and they sewed on the pockets in the wrong place. And so she and her mom had to undo all of those and re-sew them. So it was just all these, all these things that seem, you know, that you don't know you have to look out for when you're in a new industry or you're creating a product for the first time. So I kind of went down that path of just educating myself and educating others, um, kind of like what you're doing um, in a way as well. So that's kind of how I started. And the podcast led me to meeting so many great people, which is the best part is, of, of doing the interviews and building all of these relationships. And ultimately, I realized that I had interviewed, I think, five women who had gone on Shark Tank. Some I interviewed and they couldn't tell me that they had already, you know, gone on it. It just hadn't aired at the time. So after doing this for a few years, I started thinking about, you know, publicity and media and what does it really get you? And then these women I had all interviewed and had relationships with, um, I started seeing similar trends. And I was obsessed with the show anyways, probably like a lot of your listeners are, because it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of leads me to present day. So I just wrote this like it was just going to be this small little book last year just to you know help the people who are in my my circles um, understand it better and Barbara Corcoran endorsed it and so it's become a it was become a lot more exciting and bigger than I had ever imagined and so that's really exciting so that that's my long-winded answer to how I got started oh that's that's fantastic and I think it's it's testimony I mean you ca caught on to, I mean, so many people in our industry are obsessed with Shark Tank and, and you know, look forward to it every week and, and watching it. And, and it really is the stories and that are on the show that I think they're really the most interested in. But it's the after-the-show effect. 
and even if they don't get the deal. I mean, have you, what are some of the most interesting stories that you've seen from some of the moms that were on Shark Tank um, that you encountered? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, so I interview, just so your audience knows, um, the founders of Shono Towel, um, Hot Tot, which is a, you know, all-natural um, beauty line for kids, um, Swim Zip, which is, you know, the zip-up um, rash guards, Ava the Elephant, which is now Metamoles, which is like making your kid be able to take medicine better, and um, Amber Schwab of Ruffle Butts, which are like the cute little um, diaper covers. She has a huge line. She's one of the fastest-growing companies on the Inc. 500 list a few years ago. So um, anyways, some of the most interesting stories of I think, well, first of all, from a Shark Tank perspective, you know, it's awesome to be a mom entrepreneur on Shark Tank um, because, you know, it's a reality show. And so they specifically get different characters for each show to create the drama effect. But it's very rare. I don't know if I've even seen them actually, like, completely rip apart a mom entrepreneur because that's usually the heartwarming story, the American hero story. Or, you know, Shelly from Show Knows an Amazing Story. It was the recession hit. She and her husband were having financial trouble. She woke up in the middle of the night with this, you know, idea for a towel so you can change your children's clothes, you know, out of their bathing suit. If you have more than one child, it's very challenging to do that. And you don't want to have to take one to the bathroom in the boys and one in the girls. And, you know, I feel like the big lesson learned is that, you know, for her was really like overcoming naysayers. She said, you know, I know I was going to get a lot of um, slack for, you know, basically cutting a hole in the neck of a towel, but she just had this vision and she persevered. So I love that her story is, you know, she was a school teacher. She had this vision. She overcame the odds and she just kept going. I would say from a publicity perspective for all of these women being on Shark Tank, I mean, they all landed deals, but, you know, they are TV show deals. So once the cameras go off, you know, everyone, the investors do their due diligence. They don't have a packet of all their financials prior to the show and all of that. So it's like any other investor would would go about for your business. They would comb through that. So some deals work out, some don't. Most of the deals change. Um, but I think that the publicity aspect of it is incredible. And that's really, you know, um, Tiffany Crummins of Ava the Elephant, she, was, she got a deal, um, it was Barbara Corcoran's first deal the first season. And people, you know, Shark Tank wasn't what it was the first season that is now. And so, you know, I, I, what I have learned from all these women is, you know, everyone gets very excited about their episode re-airing because every time it re-airs, it's millions of more eyeballs on their products. And so there's always a jump, but it's like any publicity. It's a jump and it opens doors, but it's not the be all end all. I don't know. I don't know a single story where airing on Shark Tank, they, anybody became an overnight millionaire. You know, it's still running a business and they're all kind of, I call them like blips on the radar screen. Like, you know, or if you're looking at Google Analytics, like a huge shoot up and then mm -hmm. it slowly drips down over a few weeks. So it's the same for that as it is, but it's just more people coming and that's what you want and that's what you need to do, um, especially when you have a new product. So I think that that's critical. Um, when I, you have a new, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, one of the things that you just um, mentioned, which I think is critical, is that publicity is just that. It's a blip on the screen. And so when beyond your your wonderful book is that you you do help um, mompreneurs with helping them get some publicity. So so what would you say is um, I mean you you talk about the media roadmap. Is it something that you you um, 
let someone hire you and you work them through the media roadmap and 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 how does that go how does that program go about by hiring you Sure. So I did create an online program first just to educate people because I think probably as you're aware and a lot of people are aware, if you come from a different background or if you don't have a background in PR, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about it. So part of the roadmap as I was working with clients that I realized um, was lacking was first off the education and then really being specific. I mean, my program's really more, my consulting is really more strategic. So it's looking at the whole picture. You know, I think it's very we're, I think marketing of PR has become very complex, especially in the last few years with all of the options people have. And I think for entrepreneurs, it's especially overwhelming because you have a smaller budget. And so, you know, you look at like traditional public relations or, uh, or publicity and TV and magazines, and all of those things are really great for creating awareness and credibility. Um, but then you really have to look at social media, which is now being talked about much more so um, as a modern form of public relations. So it's kind of traditional media you could think of as bricks and mortars, um, publicity TV, and modern media, social media, and connecting with your customers. So it's taking you through. You know, you can't be everywhere to post the same thing on social media, on LinkedIn, as Google+. Plus. You have to really know how to use each channel and which ones make sense for your business. And just, you know, basically yelling the same thing at everyone is noisy and not cutting through anything. So it's being highly strategic about content messaging and your target market and really sending the right message to the right people and kind of a holistic view of media marketing and branding. And so making sure that your language is consistent, um, that you're speaking in the person's language that you're talking to. And so the roadmap is basically working with clients to get them from seeing the big picture before they just dive in and start doing different activities, like, oh, maybe I'll run some Facebook ads. Let's see what happens there. And there mm -hmm. definitely is, you know, experimental um, to do that, and you need to do some of that, especially when you're starting out. But it's, it's like basically saying, let's look at your strategic plan for an entire year. Where do you want to be at the end of the year? So um, that is, that's what I do. And, I, I, and I've, I've noticed just by working with a lot of these women or inventors that, you know, there's a great opportunity when you're an inventor from a media perspective because they're interested in a compelling story and something new and so many of these so many inventors created something because it's so it's such a compelling story they they really needed it or the reason they did it is is incredible and so to be able to share that story um, with the right people and really make an impact and help grow their business is exciting. Um, it also is a challenge, you know, for definitely for inventors. It's, there's this incredible media opportunity around being an inventor, but then there's also a challenge because when you're an inventor and you have a new type of category or a new type of product, you have to educate the public. People aren't you know going what, into Rachel, the Rachel, we got to take yeah. a quick break. You oh, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll be right this back. This is so good. I know. Thank you so much. We'll be right oh, back. Yeah, stay on. <laughs> okay. Rachel Olson, John. After a short break with more of Innovation Divas. Love the smell of hair.
Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you. But it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Hey kids, do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? you need the connections to buyers, media, or companies who can take your product to the next level, then you are listening to the right show. This is the Innovation Divas on TogiNet Radio. And now, let's return to your Innovation Divas, Melinda Knight and Deanna Cohen. Well, we had to go quickly to our um, break there, and Rachel was giving us such incredible information. We have Rachel Olson, who is the best-selling author of Shark Tank Mompreneurs, Take a Bite Out of Publicity, and also um, the founder of a very wonderful digital media company called Best Mom Products. So let's talk about Best Mom Products for a quick second here, Rachel. Uh, are you um, helping them get to market, or is it strictly just helping them with publicity and marketing. Yeah, Best Mom Products is really an information site. So what is there are podcast interviews with mom entrepreneurs talking about the realities of all of that, from starting their business, uh, manufacturing, if that's the, if that's if they have a physical product, um, going through the process of finding investors, um, what that was like, and kind of the the realities of being on the Today Show. So it's an information site with resources for entrepreneurs to be able to get educated is, is the goal for that. And you have a great tip section. So if everybody go check out her website because it's at bestmomproducts.com. And then you have a section for tips. And, and you know, they're, they're really great questions and, and things that I think are, are, you know, kind of intimidating. You're answering, you know, some of the questions that, that are things that are on the top of everybody's mind wanting to get publicity out there. So I'm very impressed. You have a great website. Thank you. And, and do you find that you're, you're constantly meeting new inventors and are they, are they having the same kinds of struggles or do you think that everyone has just a different path? Um, I mean, I think there's always definitely similarities. I think it's, um, you know, everybody has kind of the same roadmap in getting started and they just bring in whatever their expertise is. I think what I learned from interviewing over 50 women was, um, 
they were really strong in whatever their background was. And that was, and it was so interesting. You know, if somebody was an attorney, they, I, I noticed that they would have all of their patents. I heard you were just talking to a, a patent attorney, I think, in trademark. So they were really good in that category. And so it's always interesting to me to see what expertise somebody brings into their business. And I think that what I see are people that recognize what their strengths are, and then they want to outsource what they're not good at. And I think that I've learned that those make the most successful entrepreneurs is the person realizing they're not trying to do everything. And even though they're bootstrapping a lot of the time, they realize where they need the help and they hire out the help that way. But as far as similarities, I mean, I think most entrepreneurs, if you're bringing a product to market, you know, the first thing is funding. You know, how are they going to get that? And I think, you know, a part of why I put a crowdfunding area on my tip site is, um, or tips on my website was because, you know, it's a phenomenal way, like what technology has done in these and crowdfunding sites. I mean, you can actually have an idea and validate it before you, you know, spend twenty thousand dollars on manufacturing or fifty or whatever you're going to spend. You can create that demand. I think that you know, there's things to look at with crowdfunding, um, even though it's an incredible way to get the money you need for your business. What people I think are realizing now that are doing a lot of crowdfunding campaigns is that you really need to start marketing nine months prior. You almost have to have all of those dollars, um, all of those people funding you prior to launching, because unless you're shown as a very successful campaign on Kickstarter, it's not going to get pushed up to the next level of awareness that Kickstarter does or, you know, so forth. So it's interesting. So I think that, you know, for entrepreneurs, no matter where they're at, it's, it's a lot of research. Um, one thing that I saw, and maybe that this is because I, I work a lot with mom entrepreneurs, is that it's the idea comes to them when they're, you know, when they have babies and they're, and they're young and they have kind of that break maybe from they're not in a, a corporate world or they have some time off, um, which is uh, kind of funny because you don't really have time off, but they have, ran <laughs> they have, they have random hours. You know, you're, you wake up in the middle of the night to feed your baby and then you're awake for two hours. And so they have this time to research. And so um, I think that's the number one thing is to take the time to really research if you have that, you know, research for a year, research for two years. I, I think first to market does, you know, obviously say a lot from a marketing perspective, but I think that if you really have the right product that's the best and it's positioned the right way, like, it's fine. Take your time to do a quality product. So, um, so those, you know, that's kind of, you know, how that's kind of the similarity that I see and maybe like one of the biggest challenges is the, is the funding for entrepreneurs. And you mentioned the funding. Is there a particular, um, you mentioned Kickstarter. Is that one that you suggest over anything else? I do, and it's interesting because I, you know, there's so many that are geared towards women. Like there's Mula Hoop that's geared towards women entrepreneurs. Um, there's Circle Up, which is more like consumer product goods, um, consumer brands, retail, food. Um, Kickstarter has just been around a long time and has a larger platform, so there's more people on there supporting it. So there is more of a chance. I know people. I know quite a few people who did, went the Indiegogo route. Some had success, some didn't, some didn't, and then decided they're going to re redo it on Kickstarter. But regardless, it's it's a huge undertaking and amount of work. I mean, they require you to do so many videos, and there's all of these milestones you have to meet. So you have to think about your crowdfunding campaign, you know, as a job. It's you're responsible for you know creating that buzz around it. But because Kickstarter does have um, more people on there, it's, you have a better opportunity. But, you know, the other ones, it's definitely worth looking into. I think it's what your industry is. 
I know with Kickstarter or just crowdfunding in general, one of the things that I think is a struggle for people that they say, you know, I don't have the following. I don't have the Twitter. I don't even know Twitter. I don't. So do you help them if they are wanting to go that route and they find you, you know, do you help them, you know, even help in that social media spectrum to get their crowdfunding started? Yeah, you know what? I actually don't specialize in crowdfunding, so I would definitely refer them to somebody else. I mean, mm-hmm. I know plenty of women who have done it, um, and I think that that is, that is something I think you want to find somebody who specializes in yeah. is, you know, raising money for that. So that's not something that I help with. But, um, but yes, you do need that marketing and to build in. You know, it goes back to marketing. You know, you need mm-hmm. to create awareness and how do you do that and build all that up. So you have to put something out there. Um, and try and build it up, or or you you know use every connection that you have. And I don't I, w- I want people to really think about that because I've talked to so many women who have been funded like um, in an angel round or angel investors or or they call it fa- or family and friends before that, and they say that it usually the money doesn't usually come from family and friends directly. They start out that way, and maybe they get some money from them, but it's always talking, reaching out to people that you knew in college or in social circles, or get involved in groups, or go to a meetup and start. Networking. I mean, I think once you get out there, all of those things become more clear to you of what you need to do and where you need to be. And then people hear your idea and you let them know. And I think it's very, to be very transparent when you're looking for money, like I'm raising money, you know, let, let everybody, you, you know, and then maybe they, they know somebody who can, they'll put you in touch with. So I found that it came from like two to three degrees of separation where people got funded rather than, you know, one degree. And there's, there's, great things about raising money from family if you can if your family can afford to give you that money and there's also major pressure so i found a lot of women whose family could maybe afford it but they didn't want to ask their family just because of those interpersonal dynamics which i found very interesting but you know i think you just have to go with what you're comfortable with and um and it's hustling you know it's like it's starting any business you just you have to work hard. I think there's, and that's why when I started Best Mom Products, there were so many of the, the mommy millionaire sites, and I just thought, there's no way this is true. Maybe for the one percent, but for 99 percent, you're running a business, regardless of you know if it's online or bricks and mortar store. So, you're kind um, of more of a therapist for, <laughs> for these entrepreneurs. I mean, you you, you really have gone through the dynamics of all around and getting into the nuts and bolts and the different aspects of people. It's fascinating. I love it. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so funny that you say that because I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, well, what, how do, what do I say that I do? Because, you know, I, I, you know, how do I describe that to people? Here I say that I help people with communication and telling their story. You know, how do I say, you know, I do so many things for different people, but it's mostly relationships based. And so the thought in my head was like, I'm like, God, I am, I'm the marketing strength. You know, people come to me, like some people do, some people do their entire annual marketing plan and they say, we just want to hire you to to review it and tell us what hole, where the holes are and what your thoughts are. And so it's really interesting, but it's just morphed into that. It's not anything I was outwardly seeking. So it's interesting. Well, call seems like that's your strength. (laughs) Yeah, call CJ and he'll trademark marketing strength. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh no! I just announced that on radio, yeah, yeah. on radio show. That's right. Yeah. Before we make it, you know, out on the podcast world. Well, Rachel, <laughs> it's, been, it's been such a pleasure having you on our show today. I'm so glad that we we took the time to hunt you down and 
and really lock you into a time because you really are a blessing for our community and um, for all of our inventors out there. You know, we'd love to have Rachel be an industry expert, a part of our, our network and to have her, you know, you know, open that door for you to, you know, seeing inside your soul. <laughs> your inventing soul. See, that's another that's part of your tagline. We have great ideas for you, Rachel. Off air, we'll talk okay. about it. <laughs> Good. Thank you. We'll pop offline. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure getting to know both of you as well before this. So um, thank you and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. And again, to get her wonderful um, number one on Amazon book, Shark Tank Mompreneurs, take a bite out of publicity, go to Amazon. I mean, I, I've just been on Amazon every day this last week. So I, mean, I know, I'm, me too. It's ridiculous. The boxes are piling up at my front door. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. It's a great thing. So again, happy holidays. And for more information on Rachel, you can also go to her website at um, bestmomproducts.com. We love having you. Thanks, Rachel. Great. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So, Melinda, I just—I know what a fun show. I'm like yeah. so charged up today. She really is, you know, full of tons of energy and and great insight. Yeah, insight is the right. I, I think she does have really insight into not only business and great advice, but but what fits for you. What what area do you need, you know, help in? What what uh, you know? Because we can't be great at all things. I mean, maybe I can, but not yeah, the average for person. Sure. You know? For sure, you can. <laughs> no, I know for sure I cannot. So there are a lot of areas I could use her advice on. So, but, uh, but that was fun. Speaking of, of tooting a horn, Melinda got our Twitter followers, over 40,000 followers, fans. We are in <laughs> the, the most amazing tweet world. You, I mean, you can go to many sites. Many people's Twitter followers, and they're around a thousand. Melinda, kudos to you for taking us to the sky. We really, you know, I can't, I can't thank you enough. So, oh, it's all about the numbers and quality. You can have a lot, but you've got to have quality too. So, I think we have a nice following. Yes, I do too. And we can't thank TogiNet enough. Happy holidays to the TogiNet family for being such a great place to um, have our radio show. And happy holidays to everyone. Thank you. Happy holidays. Melinda Knight and Deanna Cohen return next week with more of the Innovation Divas. They really know the who, what, and why of inventing and love that they can share their knowledge, connections, and great women-invented products with this audience. Contact the Divas for more information on how to sponsor or attend. Then join us every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard.